0: and welcome to the Bureau 42 Greatest Science Fiction Film Tournament Podcast. I am your host, Alex Case, and joining me today is my guest...
1: Uh, David Stark.
0: Alright, and while David and I have been doing a lot of anime movies recently, this film we're doing today is not one of them. Today we're taking a look at Predator from 1987, starring... Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, and screenwriter Shane Black.
1: <sighs> uh what what can we say about this movie that, you know, that hasn't been said dozens of times already? It's a it's a fun movie. <laughs> Indeed. Um and it's it's so damn quotable too.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Well before, well, um why don't you talk about our first experiences watching this movie.
1: Uh okay. Um uh, I cannot tell you the first time I've seen this I saw this movie. It's I've seen it so many times. Uh I, 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 I yeah, I can't tell you the first time I saw it. <laughs> probably when I was very young, younger than I probably should have been to see this movie. But yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, first time I saw this movie, I was probably in high school, probably checked out the DVD from the library. That was around the time where I had my own sort of way of watching DVDs rather than having to deal with, you know, rental establishments and that sort of thing. And also without having to. Do sort of get around watching them on the main TV when, when perhaps my parents would be try to stop me from watching movies I sh- shouldn't have been watching at that age. Later went on to pick up the movie on DVD from GameStop, actually, back when GameStop stole, uh, sold movies. Particularly the... Um, got that and Predator 2 at about the same time. Well,
1: (laughs) Predator (laughs) 2.
0: Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Predator 2 a little later. Yeah. So, the film plot is actually pretty straightforward, pretty simple. I'd say, although, the film has an opportunity to kind of pull a a clever bait-and-switch in the audience, but doesn't take it. Because narrative-wise, the film starts with a group of special ops commandos meant to be kind of Delta Force-ish, being sent to the jungle to retrieve a presidential candidate minister from some Latin American country who has been abducted by guerrilla forces. And we're introduced to the team. We have... Well, we have, Dutch, we have Dutch, played by Arnold, Mac, played by Bill Duke, Blaine, played by Jesse Ventura, Billy, played by Sonny Landham, Pancho played by Richard Chavez, and Rick Hawkins, played by, not this film's writer and director, but the writer and director of other films, like uh, Lethal Weapon, Shane Black. And they're being accompanied in this mission by CIA operative, and former also special ops person, Dylan, who's played by Carl Weathers. So we've got our Stallone connection here with Carl Weathers, and Bill Duke had been with Arnold once before in Commando, where Bill Duke was on the receiving end of Arnold's line, I eat green berries for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs)
1: i'm good i'm good (laughs) Uh, yeah Uh, worth noting is that this is a rather this is a very big uh this is a group of very big guys uh many of which had played the big guy in their own movies so having them together was was very interesting (laughs)
0: Yes, I'm not gonna say this is like the expendables before the expendables was the expendables, but it kinda is. Yeah. <laughs> like the only, like Shane I, I think a lot Shane Black a lot here because Shane Black being a screenwriter, being a director, is like the polar opposite in terms of physical build of every single one of these guys here. which makes him his presence kind of interesting. I mean, Richard Chavez is also kind of a smaller, is physically smaller than pretty much everyone else in this movie, but he's still bigger than Shane Black is, in terms of build, in terms of stature. So this is where the movie narratively starts. There's actually a shot before this is a prologue which shows an alien spacecraft. It's clearly an alien spacecraft coming to Earth and ejecting a pod. I think this movie would be better if that scene wasn't there.
1: Yeah, because... Without it... Because uh, if you miss, like, the first minute and miss this shot, it starts off as, like, so many other 80s action movies start with... You know, our heroes heading into second, third world countries, you know, plenty of guns, you know, you've seen this movie a dozen times, you know, there's going to be one survivor who's going to have to fight his way out, you know, dealing with guerrillas. Usually it's Vietnam. Uh, this time it's a South American country. And yeah, we've all seen this movie. So,
0: yeah, so if, the, so if that scene were, if that scene of the spaceship landing is removed, you would not know that the antagonist of this film was an alien. You'd assume, oh, it's it, it, it could be local gorillas. It could be even be be slipping into cannibal Holocaust territory and some racist stereotype of a jungle Amazon tropical tri- uh, native tribe. But it, it's a human menace, which means when we learn it's an alien that the threat is extraterrestrial it it take it means it means narratively all bets are off if we were coming in without this without that opening scene but because of this we know the threat's an alien we know before we've met any other character in this movie we know our antagonist is an alien and i think this film would be better if it had the sort of narrative bait-and-switch and that twist there of this isn't team of commandos trying to escape and evade rebel soldiers as they make their way out of the jungle. This is a real case of... This is something beyond what we know, what, what humans are familiar with. So, the opening makes us expect the alien and look for the alien to happen and not... Well, and as opposed to just leaving us in total doubt and suspense. So, it really helps with how the alien is played up in the movie and how we, and how we see the Predator. Because initially, when we see the Predator, all we see is its point-of-view shot. We see it from its point-of-view perspective, which is a thermal imaging, heat vision, goggles look, view. Which, again... It, while it's probably a bit more higher tech than what you'd expect from, you know, rebel soldiers in a Latin American country, it could be some rogue C. But with the presence of Dylan being a CIA operative, it could be some CIA experiment or, or U.S. government experiment. It could be some Russian super soldier project. It could be any number of things. So, since we learned that there are Russian military advisors at the rebel camp, so the all sorts of so all sorts of potential possibilities for what this viewpoint is from but we don't get that we get we we just know oh, this is the alien's view we don't know what the alien looks like we don't know yet what its full capabilities are uh, we get the impression that it can do voice record voices and play them back and mimic voices. But that's kind of all we really get. Um, So, anyway, our team of commandos land in the jungle and we meet, and we see fairly early on the last group of guys that the Predator got.
1: Oh, yeah. Strung up and skinned. (laughs)
0: And and at this point, our team of commanders assume it's the rebels who did this. Although Billy immediately kind of fairly early points out that something's up, that they see signs of a firefight, but they don't see who came and went from the si- from the uh, point of the firefight. There's no footprints or whatever of people coming and going. Which also kind of sets up the uh, fact that the Predator moves through the trees. Uh, I I will admit, you'd think they would have figured out people moving through the trees sooner, being the fact that it's a a jungle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Especially since these are experienced special commandos, they probably have done the drop on the enemy from above thing. You'd think they'd be looking up more.
0: Yeah, also for that matter, particularly um, Blaine and Mac, who we get in a dialogue scene specifically that they've been in Vietnam and Cambodia uh, before, and they don't quite figure this out. So the team reaches the camp. Before they hit the base, we are introduced also to Painless. Painless. (laughs)
1: <laughs> which is
0: a minigun carried by Jesse his character. I think this might be the first time we see a man-portable minigun used in a film.
1: Yeah, except according to the stats he gives, there's no way a human could actually carry it. Well,
0: they had to use some various, like, like with, with it firing, they had to use some basically out-of-frame wire stuff to make it Carryable. They, um, they actually uh, in the commentary they talk about that Ventura was able to kind of control it, but that's just because when firing, basically the gun it doesn't want to jerk around; it wants to stay pointing straight forward. Which means actually the more difficult part wasn't not moving it around; it was getting it to move around the way that it was needed to for the action. It was kind of interesting. I presume they made some adjustments to the gun for when Arnold uses it later in Terminator 2 Judgment Day.
1: Yes. <laughs> I have no idea. Um...
0: But, yeah, they get the encampment. They have this massive action scene, which is basically what you'd expect for this kind of movie. where they just, They blow the place up. Yeah. I can't imagine how much gasoline was used for all the big oily fireballs that we get and everything else in here and all the burn gags they do and all the squibs they set off and all the blanks they fi- all, all the rounds they fire uh it's like it's like the climax of commando cubed in terms of sheer level of destruction
1: yeah, that's...
0: Yeah. That's accurate. Uh, so... And we can, So... After raiding the base, we learn that... There was no minister. There were CIA operatives who were caught... Surveilling the base from a helicopter. But otherwise, what was really going on was... The CIA wanted to take out this, this base... Because they were going to have a uh, launch an attack across the border. Send a whole bunch of weapons over and they would they're gonna use these weapons to launch a coup. This does kind of leave the question of if there's enough manpower here to launch a coup, I mean weapons certainly, but enough manpower here to launch a coup, how come these five guys are basically able to take it out? We get, kind of get a sort of answer, answer implied kind of later. From um, the characters introduced here, Anna, who's one of the gorillas who's taken prisoner. But that's pretty much it. Anna implies later that the Predator, um, when talking about this, the Predator's been coming back and coming to Earth for a while, or the species been to Earth for a while, and that the Predator had actually been attacking the base recently.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that could kind of do it. I mean, considering the sheer body count that we get from the Predator and Predator 2, um, it's conceivable, but still.
1: Yeah. Well, I think probably a more likely answer is that they were planning on, you know, starting sort of having a march to the capital and just picking up villagers and arming them.
0: That's that that that's also likely. Um, so, the, the movie basically becomes a cat-and-mouse game, where determined that a whole bunch of militant patrols, this is probably where the, where the other rebels were, a bunch of rebel patrols around the area are making it too hot for pickup, so they have to basically take this very long, drawn-out trail to get to the next possible evac point. And so, the team grabs Anna and makes their way to the jungle, and at this point, the Predator starts picking them off kind of one at a time, and it kind of turns into the commandos in the jungle equivalent of a slasher movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it very much was. You know, it, was, it. Predator is a slasher movie, but instead of teenagers, <laughs> you've got Arnold and Jesse Ventura. <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty much um so basically the order in which they go down shane black jesse ventura bill duke um sonny landham and richard chavez uh <laughs> i think it's how you pronounce it c-h-a-v-e-s
1: Do not ask me how to pronounce things.
0: <laughs> yeah, my, my my Spanish is rusty. Well, it looks kind of interesting where the... In terms of the order of the characters who see the Predator... In terms of the active camouflage and then the Predator itself. Because Anna sees the Predator first when she tries to make a break for it. And it kills Hawkins, uh, Shane Black's character. And basically, after she's before she's trying to make a break for any possible opportunity, and after that, she just stops. It's kind of like goes, "I'm actually possibly safer surrounded by the guys who want to take me to America to be interrogated by the CIA."
1: Oh, poor CIA! They're not the scariest thing around anymore. <laughs>
0: Max sees it next after Jesse Ventura is killed. Uh, this leads to a scene that gets echoed in Predator 2, um, where basically somebody sees the Predator and starts blazing in the w- away in the direction the Predator ran in, at which point everybody starts blazing away in that direction, causing massive amounts of general gunfire-related destru- uh, destruction. They're not, and they're not convinced... At first, they're not sure that, that they hit anything. They don't know they're looking for aliens, so they... But still... Does it seem where we learned that the Predator bleeds a glowing, phosphorescent green blood? That's not like anything that appears in nature. And... bleeds on a... And it bleeds on a... Fairly at eye-level-ish branch. A leaf it catches a fair amount of it. So it kind of makes me wonder, uh, when, when they say they go back and check and say uh, there's no sign of any bodies or blood or anything, how did they miss the glow stick that somebody spilled on the leaf?
1: Well, it wouldn't necessarily uh, glow for that long.
0: Well, it actually glows for a fair amount, because he says that line... Maria sees the blood. Okay, that's true, that's true. She touches it and then wipes it off on her pants leg, and we see that sometime later, I think after the predators first attacked on the encampment, uh, on the perimeter they set up for themselves, and that's when we get the line, it bleeds, we can kill it. So it leads to the... Um, So I'm setting up a couple perim- perimeters to try and get the Predator to attack them. First time, the Predator manages to lure a boar to attack the encampment. And it's kind of awesome. Because we, we get Max stabbing a wild boar to death in hand-to-hand combat with a knife. Like you do. Like you do. When you're, um, when you're, you know, Delta Force Commando. And then they tried again later, this time doing a more general sort of jungle trap stuff. And it actually manages to kind of work. At least enough that everyone kind of buys into the idea that, oh, everyone who thought, oh, this isn't an alien, it can't be an alien, it's just some some rebels realizes, oh, no, we're, there's more things in heaven and earth than it was dreamt of in our philosophy. Oh, <laughs> um. I of the acting performance of this movie, too, also. Most people focus on Arnold's performance, which is actually really good. Um. Arnold does some very good non-verbal performance, particularly with his eye, with his facial expressions and eye movements towards the film's end and people like to, to quote Jesse Ventura's lines but Bill Duke as Mac does a really good job kind of showing a descent into madness for his character from like the moment that Blaine dies on we see from the beat early on that Blaine and Mac kind of have this bromance going on
1: yeah there's definitely the sense that You know, these two have been together for a long time. And they sort of at least Mac kind of came to like really depend on Blaine, so when he dies, he seems to just sort of Yeah, go crazy.
0: (laughs) Slowly. Yeah, the slow to sit into madness and slowly psychologically falling apart. While we have um We've got Dylan, who's kind of barely able to sort of comprehend the situation like can't be it can't be aliens, it can't be ghosts or monsters. It has to be rebels. it has to be some sort of thing I can comprehend it's and wrap my brain around. aliens don't exist in real life, and then we have Dutch who's trying to hold everything together, and we have Billy who's kind of. Has has a feeling something serious is going on, but he can't quite put his finger on it. Yeah,
1: Billy really seems to be the. Uh, I'm hesitant to use the word mystic, but sort of the one more attuned to uh, to the world than the rest of them.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean he is kind of being the magical Native American here. Yeah, that's
1: kind of what I was trying to avoid.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's his role as kind of the magical Native American. With the uh, all the unfortunate implications that that entails. He doesn't quite do war paint and feathers. But he's got the, the medicine bag around his neck.
1: Yeah, and then the whole sort of takes off all of his gear except for a machete to...
0: Uh. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. They kind of get into this too with the, with the Predator 2 as well. With the More spiritually inclined, tuned voodoo priest gang leader, being the one who has a better understanding of what's up, although he doesn't express it very well. Oh my God! That (sighs) well, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, That
1: movie hurts.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the team gets picked off one at one by one. Uh, Anna, because she is armed, is not a target of the predator. Uh, he only hunts things that can fight back. He wants the most dangerous game, and the most dangerous game is not just a man, but Delta Force. Um, leading to the, mortal line, get do the chopper. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> God, this movie is so damn is so quoted. Indeed.
0: And Dutch kind of goes off on his own and does the scene, which has been debunked, which has been busted by the Mythbusters, where he initially cakes himself in mud to hide himself. The initial thing, it kind of works because it takes time for the body heat to warm up the mud to body temperature. But the other time...
1: And he just crawled out of a
0: probably very cold river, so... Um, And then then we get to his more Conan-esque, improvised um, weapons and booby traps and stuff um, for the final showdown, which is one of the best parts of the movie. And also leads to some of the best performances uh, by Kevin Michael Hall as the Predator. He puts kind of a sense of emotion to the character that's comparable to... Actually, I'd compare it to Kane Hodder as Jason Voorhees in some of the later Jason movies, because he doesn't have any dialogue to work with, so he has to work with body language. Um, he has to work... doesn't have facial expressions either, but he can do head tilts and that sort of thing to sell his expression, plus a little bit of uh, animatronic work for the mouth, the eyebrows, and that sort of thing. By the rest of Stan Winston's team. And it works really well. Like, there's this great bit where Arnie ha- is on the last of his resources and he's trying to lure the predator under this deadfall trap he set earlier with the spiked log. And he crawls under it and he's taunting the predator, the predator saying, Come on, kill me, I'm here! Kill me, do it, do it now! You don't want to shoot me,
1: you want to stick a knife in me and see what happens when you turn it. <laughs> Sorry, I just. It was that scene. It was the same
0: scene. Yeah. And he's. And the the, the and the predator starts to go under the log. And he notices the spikes that are hidden by the leaves. And he looks at the. You see him finger the spike, look at the spike, look at Arnold, and tilt his head and go like. Did you really think this was going to get me? Did you really think I'd be so stupid as to fall for this? Gets up and walks around the log, drops down on the other side, and the only reason he, Arnie gets him then is because Arnie had the backup trap of just a regular log on a basically on a rope that would drop straight down. The, the, the equivalent of... The Wiley Coyote, Big Boulder, and the Big Spot painted X on the ground, um, and that's the part that that really works. Now, everything before this is kind of Arnie trying to neutralize the predator's abilities, his cloaking ability, his laser cannon, that sort of um, that sort of thing. Just leave him just with the claws. And after Arnie. Kind of pulls us off. The predator sets off his self destruct device and his gauntlet, and Arnie has to make a break for it before massive portions of the jungle explode. And what's depicted at what looks like a nuclear mushroom cloud, but I'd think not because Arnie wasn't vaporized.
1: Well,. The mushroom cloud isn't necessarily nuclear. I mean, you get a mushroom cloud anytime you have sufficient amounts of heat released, so it wouldn't necessarily have to be nuclear. It'd be the easiest way, but any basically, if it, could, it was just like a thermal detonation,
0: it. Yeah. That's true. It's. I think it's partially because of how the desolate, the, the desolation after the explosion is depicted. I mean, thermal probably works a little better. And that and uh, Dutch gets rescued by the chopper, which the pilot is also played by uh, Kevin Peter Hall, the, the Predator's super farmer. So he gets appearances as himself as the Predator and as himself and a line as himself, which is nice. Um,
1: he both gets to try and kill Arnie and save him.
0: Indeed, and heads out. Um. It was kind of interesting that that looking at the cast list for this on IMDb and elsewhere, this movie cast-wise is really short. It is ten people. And one of them, the Russian military advisor, is questionable because he only actually has one line. Um, we sort of have a side possible role where Kevin Peter Hall doesn't do the voice of the Predator. That is done by Peter Cullen, a.k.a. Optimus Prime. Um, So, think about that next time you watch Transformers. um, And, And... The film is... Very, very well done. I mean, the shooting in the jungles, it could be well done. The effects by Stan Winston for the Predator itself, both in terms of the, with the mask and all the gear, and then the, the face articulation is excellent. It's probably one of Winston's best work that's outside of the Terminator series. Well, Outside of the Terminator series in Men in Black. Um, other interesting names in this movie, um, if you've seen the original Guyber film, Screaming uh, Mad George uh, worked on the Predator for this. Um, Screaming Mad George was the director of the first Predator, f- of the, uh, first Guyber film. Um, my suspicion is that Screaming Mad George was... Uh... My with that film was it was made as a vehicle for Screaming Mad George. I, think, I believe at the time he was starting out his own creature shop, his own creature and effects studio. And he was kind of making that as a vehicle for the studio. And less oh, of it a... It certainly
1: wasn't for the story! <laughs> oh,
0: that movie is terrible! It, Although... it, is, it is terrible, but it has amazingly good creature effects.
1: Yeah, and, and it gives us Mark Hamill and a mustache. Yep, a look you thankfully did not replicate later.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, it, it, it's it's not a great movie. It is clear that it is meant to be a effect studio sizzle reel, a glorified effect studio sizzle reel. And it's also kind of interesting because this is John McTiernan's second film he ever made. This is before he did Die Hard. Um, it's also kind of interesting thing, because looking at some of the background stuff in that, in that movie, when we're at the base, where we're preparing to, to head out, there's, like, Christmas tree stuff, and Christmas decorations, which makes this McTiernan, because McTiernan would do Die Hard, I think, like, his next movie after this, so this is two McTiernan movies in a row set at Christmas.
1: Hmm.
0: Predator is a Christmas
1: movie. I can see it.
0: I mean, we're we're in South America. It is hot and muggy in December there.
1: I'll Alter- turn, you know, and clearly Dutch and his boys are not the nicest people. I think the Predator is just actually the Krampus come to punish. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thought.
0: <laughs> um, Might we'll talk a bit in brief about Predator Two before we get into how Predator fared in the tournament. So. For all, for, for some of the faults that can be laid at the feet of Predator, I will say this. Its depiction of the Latin American rebels does not fall into any sort of racist stereotypes of Latin American people. On the other hand, Predator 2 is really racist, is actually a really racist movie. Like, the two main gangs here are, we have the Colombians, who actually act closer to, like, the current depictions and actions of modern Mex- uh, Mexican narco uh, traffickers, particularly from like the the whole like the northern Mexico border area, Laredo and all that, uh, and then the and alt- the rival gang, the Black Gang, rather than you know any actual real Los Angeles gangs, Crips, Bloods, that sort of thing, no. It's the Jamaican voodoo posse. Now you can argue that, in fact, that that perhaps there are some practitioners of voodoo, that there's enough voodoo going on in Jamaica, as opposed to Haiti, or the Jamaican Republic, where they have a substantial worship base, as opposed to, say, Rastafarianism. But... Still, it's you're you're like what? It's like somebody in the like among the writers thinking like, okay, aside from Christianity, what do black people worship? And picked on voodoo and went for the Hollywood silly. What's what's silly? The Hollywood meant to scare people of black people to make white people afraid of black people. Version of voodoo.
1: Yeah. Um. Would you call this reverse black exploitation, <laughs> or just straight up racism?
0: Just straight up racism. All right. Yeah. A- a- additionally, we get the odd choice here of to play your loose cannon, maverick, rogue cop. You went to the Lethal Weapon series of movies, but you didn't pick the actor who plays the loose cannon cop. You pick the actor whose signature line is "I'm getting too old for this stuff." The line wasn't stuff. I know. I'm trying to keep. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep this iTunes clean, as opposed to iTunes, <laughs> as opposed to iTunes explicit. I'm using the TV edit version of the line. <laughs> I'm getting to hold. Getting to hold for this bleep. You pick Danny Glover. Who Danny Glover is a good actor.
1: Oh. No denying that.
0: He's an excellent actor. He's probably the best actor in this movie, in in Predator 2. But that doesn't save Predator 2 much. It's
1: like, Predator had so many great things going for it. And Predator 2, you can sort of see what they were going for. Um, It really felt like they were trying to do what Aliens did to Alien. You know, same sort of monster, but sort of move it into a new light, more of a new area. And for that, I can really respect what they tried to do. It's all the other decisions they made that just hurt.
0: (laughs) Like, the one thing I'm kind of torn on with the movie, in terms of, maybe it's good, maybe it's not, is the inclusion of Morton Downey Jr.'s character. I forget his name, but he's basically playing Morton Downey Jr., Uh, as his obnoxious journalist. Where, on the one hand, he serves a real narrative purpose. He illustrates the impotence of the LAPD against the rising ebb of gang violence and also the attacks of the Predator. And the scene where Morton Downey Jr. gets punched in the face, which also is one of the scenes where like the scenes of Joffrey getting slapped on Game of Thrones, need to be on a three-hour, like, repeat YouTube video or something like that. Just for the sheer satisfaction of Morton Downey Jr. getting punched in the face, because he is in real life a utterly revulsive per- revolse- revolting person. Repulsive and revolting person. He, um, when... That character when Morton Downey Jr. gets punched in the face by Danny Glover's character, we it's the point where Danny Glover's character goes from being a reacting to the actions of the Predator and the actions of the gangs to taking a proactive role. But this doesn't but he's still an incredibly obnoxious character, and honestly, as far as Morton Downey Jr. beatdowns go, it's still not really as satisfying as, say, when Rowdy Roddy Piper beat down Morton Downey Jr. at WrestleMania. After extinguishing his uh, cigarette with a fire extinguisher. So, I think I've got to contend with that. All in all, mean Predator... Is a superior film, and I'd say I've I have not seen Predators, and I haven't seen the second Alien vs Predator movie, but I'd make a reasonable I'd say you can make a reasonably good argument that unlike the Alien franchise, where there's multiple films in the f- series that are good, in the Predator franchise, there's one good film. There's only one good film, well, and that's the first one.
1: Predators. I'd say no. I wouldn't say it's good. It's it's decent it's worth a watch um alien vs predator t- alien vs predator requiem um you should avoid and if you see it uh make the sign of the cross hope that wards it off it's <laughs> really really bad it it is a slasher film i mean our protagonists are primarily teenagers not even smart teenagers i mean you root for the monster I mean, it does give us the Pred-Alien, but ugh, that one thing is not worth, <laughs> that one thing is not even worth watching the movie for free on
0: Netflix or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk about how, the, how a Predator fared in the greatest science fiction film tournament. I don't believe it advanced, which I find odd. I mean, it in the voting it fared fairly well, kind of being split. It of the votes, um, there's kind of a dead split between average and above average, with twenty four twenty four voters going for above average and twenty three going for average, but nobody considering it considering it below average, and its IMDb rating at the time where this was all put together was a
1: 7.9 yeah well I, that's because it's not really a great movie it's a good movie but more importantly it's a fun movie i mean there's a lot of enjoyable things about it which you know makes which makes me like it but you know i wouldn't say it's like a really good movie <laughs> that's fair I mean, I enjoy I enjoy watching Independence Day, but it's a stupid, stupid movie.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Predator did not advance to the round of 42. Um, there are probably like a couple movies on the round of 42 where I could see being pretty much split with Predator for their place on the list, like I mean, not pit not chronicles of Riddick, but pitch uh pitch black yeah i mean those movies are kind of a wash so other than that any, any final thoughts on predator um
1: it's fun it's enjoyable it's got a ton of extremely muscly guys <laughs> leading <laughs> leading it so um I know there's some people out there who really enjoy that.
0: Uh... Probably worth mentioning uh, the the gubernatorial careers of the people who came out of this movie. Uh, Jesse Ventura became governor of Minnesota and then went crazy, really, really crazy. Like he's kind of reached the point now where I don't think he where if he ran for re-election or ran to get the governor's spot back. I think the level of crazy that's come out of him would not be conducted with him getting elected again. Yeah. Arnold, as governor of California, I've very, very reasonable arguments about him being a terrible governor. On the other hand, some of the other laws he's signed, things he's signed into law, but fairly decent. Some of his clean air laws and that sort of thing. So probably a wash. I mean, to a certain degree, of the big, muscly guys in this cast, I'm not going to say Arnold is the smartest one of them, but by all accounts, Arnold is a fairly smart guy. And then there's Sonny Landom who <sighs> basically was too crazy for the Libertarian Party and too crazy for the Constitution Party. And if you know something about American third parties, that says a lot. Uh, yeah. He ran
1: for his state Senate, didn't he? Uh,
0: yeah, he ran for Senate. And the third parties would not touch him. Apparently, he's enough of a problem that when he went, went, according to the commentaries, when he went down to do shooting in Mexico for the movie... The insurance company insisted that a bodyguard was hired not to protect Sonny Landom but to protect everyone else from Sonny Landom. Wow.
1: They must have really wanted him for this part, Ben.
0: I guess. Other useful little notes. The original actor who was cast to be the suit performer for The Predator was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh my god, that... But he was dropped basically because after kind of looking at the cast, they went, we need someone more physically imposing. Particularly, we need someone who could convincingly pick up... Particularly, we need someone who's taller than Arnie. Because there's that scene where the Predator grabs Arnie by the throat, picks him up, and has him about at shoulder height. And Arnie's feet are hanging off the ground.
1: Yeah. um, I've heard that was, you know, one of the primary reasons is that Jean-Claude Van Damme was just not physically... Large enough to convincingly pr- play the part of this guy, but also apparently he was a very he was a big
0: complainer on set. Uh then Deli played a part of it too. Uh, played a part of it too, but I mean, can't we really argue with Kevin Peter Hall? As... Oh, you
1: can't argue with Kevin Peter Hall. He he was amazing as the Predator.
0: He really owns that role. Yeah. So. As always, if you have any feedback, email to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or post in the comments at Bureau 42. Please subscribe to the Bureau 42 Master Podcast Audio. Well, you, you probably are subscribed because you're listening to this, unless you're listening to it at bureau42.com, in which case subscribe to one of the other places and post a review so other people will discover us and listen to how awesome we are. We're pretty awesome. We, we are kind of awesome. As is blaine um, comic book the comic book physics podcast is amazing everything on this feed is amazing other than that we are do we have our rest of our movies lined up for Halloween for the month of October. <clears throat> Next up will be the Terminator, so we are getting more Arnold. This time in an earlier role and one where he's being much more villainous. So that and with all that I've taken care of, I'm Alex Case. I'm David Stark. And we'll see you next time.